welcome to episode 34 of the Loaded Cart Podcast. Join Paul, Daniel, and their occasional guests as they talk about the things they love and hate about video games and the gaming industry. In this week's episode, we take a look at one of Chop's favorite games, Secret of Mana. Really? I decided to eat on air again? What's wrong with me? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome once again to the Loaded Car Podcast. It's time for something new and fresh. Today, we're doing our favorite games. I am Paul of What's Paul Playing Today, and with me as always is Dan, otherwise known as Chop the Viking. What's up, buddy? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I gotta be honest, I'm pretty frustrated. <laughs> yeah, it's understandable. You had, yeah. a, had a rough gaming day. So, to caveat this particular discussion, I might be a little more negative than I usually am, but that was because I hit a very large wall in the middle of trying to finish Secret of Mana. So we're talking about Secret of Mana. It is one of Dan's absolute all-time favorite games. And I can see why, but at the same time, it is very frustrating where I got to. I do want to say up front that I apologize. We are going to get into spoiler territory pretty quick. So if you haven't played it, one, it's a 25-year-old game, so <laughs> go play it. It's, it's, yeah. it's worth your time. I'm going to say that I, right up front. It is very I'm, much there, there is some some stuff that we're going to be talking about before we get into spoilers, because there's a, a whole thing to talk about right up front about the difference between the Super NES version and then there is the iOS and Android version. And there is a reason to potentially check out either. So we'll we'll get to that when we get to that. But we have some other topics to talk about first. So we'll let you know when we're going to be like, hey, we're going to start digging into the the game itself which is going to be very, very quickly on. But, you know, if you just want to hear us kind of wax about this game for a little while or me wax about this game and Paul try to stay positive. I, 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 will, say I will be positive about the game, but I will. There will be some frustration leaking in when we get to that particular yep. boss that I hit. Well, we'll talk. We'll talk. We'll get to it. But first, what other than this have you been playing lately? Honestly, um, since we were in a kind of a time crunch, the only thing I've had a chance to play and this was last week, but it was Overwatch because I'm kind of an addict. Uh-oh. I, I, I just, I enjoy the game a lot. Yeah. And after getting an entire team kill by myself, I'm pretty pleased with my progress playing as Reaper. That's that's good. I'm glad. Glad you're, uh, you're enjoying the game. Because that does not happen not, often. I know, but like, you're not don't always seem to be a huge first person shooter fan well it's not that i'm not a or at least not first person shooter fan it's just that i'm not a huge competitive gaming yeah yeah you're not like, a i don't enjoy comp games i don't yeah. often enjoy them like but... even heroes of heroes of the storm when you're rocking hard on heroes of the storm you didn't like playing against other players you always wanted to play against ai the big caveat i have to say about that is the toxic community surrounding the games that is yeah. the the only real problem i have is there against people is there not a lot of toxicity in Overwatch? Because that seems like a game that would be like oh, super oh, full of toxicity. <laughs> no, there absolutely is. The, the fun part is that they allow you to mute the match channel so you don't have to hear it. Okay. I mean, you, you can still hear your, your 
teammates. So if you're doing a bad job, you're probably going to hear it from your teammates, but you don't get to hear the other team being dickbags. Yeah. Well, you, basically, there shouldn't be global voice chat anyway. So in a there's, game like that. There's taunting and stuff. So I can I kind of can get can understand why, but at the same time, I don't particularly care for it. So I generally will mute that. Okay. Unless the, unless they're being very nice, because there is actually a surprising amount of extremely nice people playing that game. Like they'll congratulate you on a great kill, or they'll they'll be like, "Hey, really great game. That was really good stuff that you guys put up against us. Uh, sorry you lost, or but great job you guys won. Stuff like that." You'd be yeah. surprised at how often you see that. Like if you're nice, they'll generally be nice, but you, there are of course the the vociferous dickheads, as it were. Nice. Yeah, I see you've been playing something, and I, I have a news topic to coincide with that. Yes, so we'll, we'll talk about this one first, is that uh, the latest patch for Elite Dangerous 2.3 called The Commanders just went live this week, and it's a lot of fun. I had a shitload of fun playing it the other night, but it is, it, it has exited beta and entered beta and yeah. it uh you know the beta of going live on a server where when you have a couple hundred people testing it it's one thing but when you have every player in the game testing it it, it things break that didn't break before and holy crap did it get broken um like i was playing i was playing last night and I was having a lot of fun because I was just joining random random people's ships and multi-crew and we were running around doing stuff and I was jumping into fighters, which were surprisingly awesome to play in because like you literally, I mean, you're faster than everyone else. You're screeching around. I, you go back to the ship and basically wait for a, a new fighter to be spawned in the fighter bay because the ship has to rebuild it. Yeah. And and then you get to launch again and go scream around and shoot people. And you're so much more maneuverable maneuverable than other people. It's like you feel like you're in a TIE fighter. Because the ship that the guy I was with, he was in an Anaconda, which is one of the biggest ships in the game. The biggest player oh, ships in the game, I should say. Huge, huge ships. And so I'm this little TIE fighter, like, zipping around. And he's like the Star Destroyer, like, blasting people. And he was never under any chance of dying. But, like, you know, I died, like, four or five times. But well, yeah, it was just Did you it was just fun to zip, zip around in this thing and, and just basically shoot people's shields out and then let him just blast the shit out of people once the shields were down and it was it was pretty fun so with elite dangerous there is whenever a ship uh, your ship is destroyed you generally have to pay a rather hefty cost in order to get it replaced mm -hmm. did you have to do that with any of the fighters that you're flying in his ship no 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 so the way fighters work with within a ship is you have a fighter bay and it has the equivalent of ammunition like it has spare parts and when a fighter gets blown up, it builds another fighter to go into that bay from those parts. And I think his bays had nine. Oh my, that's a lot. And and I went through about four of them. Okay. And basically, to make any more, he would have to go back to dock and buy more stuff to you know buy more ammo, basically, for the fighter bay. Nice. Yeah, so it's it's a neat neat little system. Um, and yeah, and then the thing is, is like, so the way it works is the person who owns the ship, who's head of the multi crew, is it's a position called helm. Like they are the only person that can control the main ship. Then there are two other roles right now, which are gunner, which the gunner controls all of the turrets on the ship, if they have a turret installed. 
Okay. So this guy did not. He only had two turrets, and he was like, "Yeah, that was probably a terrible idea on my part for outfitting. I should have should have added some more turrets to make Gunner more fun." But he had two fighter bays, so both me and the other guy doing multi crew with him were just jumping into fighters and in both of the fighter bays and just going crazy. Nice, nice. It was it was a fun little thing. It was very different and a lot of fun because it you know immediately pops up voice chat and we're talking and we're we're doing all kinds of crazy stuff um but yeah it was it was a good good little bit of fun and i will let you transition to this new story you're dying to tell now and then i'll talk about the other game i've been playing lately so the funny part about this entire story of how much fun and how much dan has been gushing about this game is that apparently as of this morning um if you've been spending any time playing it it kind of got rolled back so a lot of players noticed that we're taking a part in a bunch of the faction wars, and some of them were uh, reporting swings of over a hundred percent in just eight hours. So, which didn't seem kind of normal. And after the reports, Frontier released a statement admitting that anomalies were caused by a bug introduced in two point three. So it had a lengthy beta. Some players were understandably not happy about it, especially since they know now that all of their progress is done what with the reset happening and everything. So yeah, there is a lot of uh, reports coming around basically that said Frontier is like, eh, hold the phone, we got to stop, we got to roll back, we got to make sure you can fix these before we continue. Yeah. So we'll see. The, I, I expect a patch pretty quick. They're Basically, that's what they're doing. They, they launch it and then they're going to patch over the next couple of weeks. That's why I didn't jump on that first night because I figured it was going to be super buggy. Um, sure, sure. But like one of the bugs that I know we had... Uh, the the guy who was flying the anaconda when we when I was doing multi crew with him, he so two things happened. One is his ship started randomly launching things, so it just would randomly shoot off a heat sink, and he's just like, "Why is my ship shooting heat sinks? Who's shooting heat sinks?" Because neither me or the other player had control of the heat sinks, so it was you know his ship was just randomly fired like over the course of about two minutes, launched all of his heat sinks off. Nice, those um, are expensive too. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Um, and then and I think it did the same thing with his uh, maybe his chaff later. And like, Probably so it was chaff, just, yeah. he was just like, what the hell? It was pretty funny. And then the other one that he had was uh, we killed a couple of people and he was getting multiple of the same bounty over and over again. Oh, nice. So, so well, at least he got the money back. Yeah, he, he, so he killed someone at one point in time and he got f the bounty five times. And it was just like, okay, that was a little broken. A little bit, yeah. It's it just seems like that there's a lot of little bits that you ran into, but a lot of huge bugs that were people were running into, which I kind of I find weird because usually uh, Frontier doesn't have that problem. I mean, yeah, sure, there are little bugs here and there, but there's nothing that they can't patch out pretty quickly. They've never, I don't think I've ever heard of them having to roll back prior to this. Yeah, and that's funny. I, I fired up the game to see if there's anything in the news for it, but it, I don't see anything about a rollback in the in-client news. Um, but I don't know. They may have just reset all of the uh, like power play and stuff like that so that it was only like basically just reset that stuff and like turned it off. I don't know. I have no idea. It's possible. Uh, so there's a quote in here saying, the dev teams have been hard at work and believe they have a fix identified. 
However, this will involve rolling back BGS data to a pre-2.3 state. That means any efforts made tonight will not affect the simulation. We wanted to give you as much notice as possible so you can avoid any wasted efforts. As always, thank okay. you for your bug reports and understanding, Commanders. Okay, so yeah, so basically what they're doing is they're they're just saying that once they have once the patch goes through and they have this bug fix in place, they're all of the faction information is being reset to, to Tuesday, to basically. Yeah. Okay, well, that makes sense. Which I think is when the it went live. It, I think it was yeah Tuesday sounds right. It was Tuesday so, so can, that it came out. I can understand why people would be upset, but. It's only you know, two days, but people yeah. made a lot of money in those two days. Some people did so. And and but seriously, with a, a company like Frontier, who are very upfront and very really, they listen to their player base. That's so, not something that often. So the one thing that I think is really cool that Frontier does is they two days a week, so Tuesday and Thursdays, and they're based in England, so they do a Tuesday and Thursday night in England. So it ends up being sure. like maybe two or three p.m. in the U.S. Okay. Um, they do a community live stream or on YouTube. So they stream on YouTube and they Tuesday is usually just like a random Q and a where they will field questions and invite players to come join them in the game and do little competitions in the game and give away tons of free stuff and literally answer questions. So they have their sure. community manager and usually another member of the staff there. And like people just ask questions and they answer them and they, you know, take some from beforehand they take some live they they do all kinds of stuff you know they they cherry right. pick the questions they want to answer including the ones where they say uh they have no comment because <laughs> that so notoriously in frontiers weird like this every time they've said something it's like we have no comment at this time and no no plan i can't remember the exact quote but it's like no plans no timetable i think is the way they phrase it you know no no plan no timetable you know that means right. basically like they they are planning on doing that feature at some point but they're not going to give a date on when it'll be in a game or what what patch they plan on doing it the last time they did it it was out in less than 6 months <laughs> nice nice so so like, so, oh, so someone you so they chose yeah so they chose to answer a question with that response again a couple of weeks ago yeah. and people are like wait a minute the last time you said that you had the feature live in like three months so what the fuck <laughs> so so do, do like they, they do that, they do they troll have, their fans a little bit which is kind of fun do they have a kind of sly smirk like no oh, we have no comment at this time basically they he always does though like he's he's a pretty funny guy and one of the things that happens almost every stream is that someone comes and kills him because they're playing in open so while he's <laughs> while he's streaming someone will show up and kill the uh the community manager just because they think it's funny well yeah i mean i kind of think it's funny too <laughs> but it happens almost every game which is hilarious not a surprise not a surprise like every time they stream so it's it's just kind of cool they are very community driven and are very tight with their community which is always really really good to see like um, um i i remember posting in the forums and maybe this was months ago when i was still playing pretty heavily with you and i posted in the forums about something that i thought would be a pretty cool feature and maybe like an hour later one of their mods was like hey that's not a bad idea let me let me talk to some people and we'll see what we can do about it i don't i honestly don't remember what the feature was i just remember that that kind of community basis was really cool yeah so one of the things to point out right now is uh currently and i don't know how long the sale is running on let me let me check 
there's a frontier sale this weekend on steam or this week mm-hmm. it's a weekend deal so they end at monday at 10 a.m pacific if yeah you're listening to this podcast at 6 a.m yeah got... <laughs> well I, i've also posted got... it on twitter and a couple other places but uh Elite Dangerous is 33% off. So it's 20 bucks for the main game, 20 bucks for Horizons. So if you're listening to this right now, after our podcast goes live at 6 a.m., you've got about seven hours to pick it up. <laughs> yeah, just about. Go ahead and pick it up. It's it's a good price. 20 bucks. Total of 40 bucks for the whole package. Go do it. Come on, <laughs> go. But come on. So that's a shame it ends Monday, but yeah, it's they, but all their games are on sale right now. Planet Coaster, their other big game is on sale. Um, let's be, so. let's be honest here. Even though the you know, the, the current price is only twenty dollars and nine cents, the game itself is twenty nine ninety nine. If you just want to buy the base game, if you want to buy the Commander Deluxe Edition, mm-hmm. it's sixty bucks for the price of a AAA game. You can get an amazing title that in itself I think is very close to a AAA game on its own. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they're I always adding new stuff them. to it. And they Absolutely. still haven't announced stuff from uh 2.4 yet, which is the next the next big patch. And like that's theoretically in the next six months we'll be seeing that, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Who knows? It'll All be right. really interesting to see, I think. You got one more game on here that you've been talking about and really gushing about since you started yeah. so, so I'm kind of curious. So when Elite Dangerous bugged out yesterday, I started streaming. Uh, a little weird game that's cropped up in the past couple of weeks called Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. And I've watched it a couple of times on Twitch because surprisingly, there are a shit ton of people watching this game and a yeah, shit ton of people streaming this game. Like, and it's just like, where the hell did this game come from? So I watched a few games and I'm like, oh, this is this is a kind of neat concept. I'm curious. I went to look at it on uh, Steam and it's an early access, and it's a $30 early access title. Which, as we all know, is not my favorite type of game. Yeah, so it, that made me pause. Like, okay, okay, let me see. So there's not technically a lot to the game, which is why 30 bucks made me pause at first. Um, sure. But then I did some research and I like kind of into the history of the game and where it comes from, and... It has really good lineage, which sounds really yes. weird. So the 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 history of this game is that this person, this is player unknown, is this guy's you know handle alias that he goes by in online gaming. Uh, so he created a really really popular mod for Arma Two called Battle Royale. Yep, and. It was so popular that he got hired to create the official game mode for a, a zombie game called H1Z1 called King of the Kill, which is, uh, again, a super popular mod. And it's in the top 10 of games played on Twitch generally, which is craziness. And then he decided he wanted more creative freedom. So he paired paired up with a studio to make Battlegrounds, which is like what he would have done with King of the Kill if he had had full creative freedom. So when you say player unknown, is this all three of these were made by one person? Uh, he's the guy that designed it. I'm, I'm sure he had a team helping him or whatever. Okay. But 
Yeah. So like, for example, at time of recording right now, mm-hmm. there are 68,285 people watching people play Battlegrounds on Twitch. There are 49,000 people watching people play Overwatch. Nice. The only two games with a higher viewership right now than this game on Twitch are Hearthstone with 75,000 and League of Legends with 77,000. And League of Legends is almost always on top. It's either League of Legends or Hearthstone. Part of it is because Doublelift is currently streaming on League of Legends and he has 21,000 people watching him. Because he's a professional League of Legends player. But the funny part is, he was playing Battlegrounds the other day, and they jumped on top of everything else because he had 25,000 people watching him play Battlegrounds. <laughs> but yeah, there, there's always tons of people watching these games on Twitch, But and it just suddenly popped up like two weeks ago. Like, why are so many people watching this game? So I played it, and it was, it was curious. So, so I picked it up. And basically... The reason why this is so weird is it's a deathmatch game, full on free for all deathmatch. Uh, there were technically three modes for it. One of it's solo, which is every man for themselves. So it's up to a hundred people. Usually it's ninety five and above in each game, uh, but it's up to a hundred people, and it's literally every man for himself. Then there's duo, where you're in pairs of two like you and a buddy team up and in duo it's 50 teams of two all right and then there's squads which is i believe four teams of four people and there are 25 teams of four competing okay and the goal is to to be the last one standing and the way it works is you Everyone's on a plane that flies over the map. The map is the same every time geographically. The buildings don't move. It's always the same 100% of the time. The, what spawns in the different spawn locations in the buildings changes every map. So it's never the same twice. But there are some locations where better weapons are more likely to spawn. But then basically, after a few minutes, like you land, and after a couple of minutes a big white ring draws itself on the map mm-hmm. and you get a big warning that you have five minutes before the play area is going to be reduced and you have to get inside of that ring within that time limit if you don't a giant blue ring from outside of the map can contracts down until it matches up with the white ring okay. and if you're outside of that and the blue line passes over you, you start taking damage over time. Like you start suffocating, basically. You're poisoned or what. I don't know what the actual, you know, in-game storyline is for it, but you start dying. Um, and you, you, if you get back across the line, you stop dying. And you're fine. But mm-hmm. then as, as the game progresses on and the player count drops the game the ring keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until it's you know everyone is forced into this tiny area or they die or you kill everyone Hmm. and yeah so you're just trying to trying to win and it's definitely like you you compared it to hungry games it's you know hungry games the movie battle royale the book battle royale like it's that thing it it is that that kind of a, a genre and it is 
very intense because you can go really, really long periods of time without seeing anyone mm -hmm. or hearing anyone. And you like start hearing gunshots or you hear a car engine and you like freak the fuck out. And I don't know, like Dave of Tadpog fame and Drew were watching me last night and uh, both seemed very, very interested in the game. And Drew was actually playing it, which was kind of funny. Nice. Um, but yeah, they they were both very, very curious and wanted to watch it. It was I actually did really well while they were watching. I think I came in fourth, maybe. And I shot I, I killed a whole bunch of people that last game. It was it was actually I had a really, really good game that last game. And uh could not see the person who killed me. Like he started shooting at me and I dropped prone and started looking around for him and just could not find him and he ended That's up killing okay. me. But I I was happy. We got got a got a good finish to the game. So nice. Yep. Yeah. All right. We got some news for you folks. So Gearbox is actually in a bit of a heated battle with G2A. And I, you brought this up to me, so I'm kind of curious as to what's going on there. Okay. This has been a giant messy situation over like the past week or so. It's it's really, really weird. So I think we can call it clusterfuck without a problem. Yeah. So basically Gearbox it was working on a updated version of Bulletstorm. That like a kind of like an HD remake of Bulletstorm is my understanding of the game. Like it's a new crazy updated version. Yeah. And they reached some kind of weird agreement with G2A to exclusively send g2 like business to g2a for like their collector's edition like they had some weird collector's bundle that could only have been purchased with through g2a right and when they announced this gearbox got a massive massive amount of public backlash like very very negative public backlash from the gaming community that hates g2a and the reason people are mad at g2a is because g2a basically uh unfortunately allows people to sell stolen keys or keys purchased with stolen credit cards and resell things that aren't supposed to be resold and they make money off of it and the developers don't get any money from it in fact a lot of the times when they have stolen keys get resold the if the fake credit card that was used to purchase it will get charged back which means that it will actually cost the developer money for that keys purchase and that means that like basically the developer is paying for this pirated copy of their game the the point is that there's a lot of shady business practices yeah. and a lot of unethical things going on if not outright illegal yeah and one of the biggest opponents to this was a british game review guy called total biscuit uh, who, yeah, he has he has a pretty funny YouTube channel that does a lot of really good gaming stuff. And he very publicly said, if you do this, I will no longer play or review or cover any Gearbox title. And Gearbox reached out to him and was like, whoa, what is going on? And he responded like, these are the things that are going on. And they're like, well, do you have proof of these things? 
And there's a really good video from Total Biscuit that I will link in the show notes. It's about 10 minutes long where he explains what happened. And he has apparently just been saving articles and evidence for months uh, for just just in case he ever needed to prove to someone all of his beliefs and opinions of G2A. And he sent them all of this stuff and they called Total Biscuit. And he sat on the phone and like talked through it all and, and discussed stuff with them. And they were like, well, okay, let us get back to you in a minute. And they, they called it back and like, well, here's our idea. We, we want to propose some things to G2A. And if they basically meet our demands, we will release this game through G2A. Otherwise we're going to invoke a clause in the contract that lets us completely back out of the contract. And so this is kind of the douchey thing on Gearbox's part, in my opinion, uh, is so they put this huge list of demands up for this company, which I mean, they're all really good changes. And if G2A did them, they would be a very, very awesome platform that would be developer friendly and would be really good for the industry and would do a, go a really, really long way to kill off a lot of the negative press. True. But they said that basically they had they had to promise to do all of these things by the time the game bullet storm went live on steam, which was about 24 hours later. Oh, that's kind of a dick move. So of course G2A did not respond within 24 hours. So they pulled the game from G2A and it is available on steam. I will say one thing though, it is kind of a brilliant move on Gearbox's part to put that contract caveat in. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I definitely agree. But the other thing is, is now G2A is claiming that both Total Biscuit and Gearbox are like defaming their company and lying about them and misinforming people. And that as a company, that's pretty much exactly what they should be doing. Of course. Um, of course. And yeah, it, so there's no telling if there'll be a lawsuit filed over the contract. And I don't know. It's it's a big crazy situation and it's messy and who knows if it will uh what will come of it basically. All right. We got two more bits of news and they're small ones right before we head into our juicy main topic. First, I kind of feel bad about this one because for Overwatch, if you're familiar with the character of Farah, you'll know or if you're familiar with Overwatch at all, you'll know that there's localization that goes on with the game. So the voice actress the German voice actress who does the character of Farah apparently was replaced and didn't know about it until the fans actually notified her. Dope. Yeah, for version 1.1, she had no idea that she was replaced. It sucks. And yeah, I feel really bad always, for her on that one. It always just kind of... It sucks when stuff like that goes public. I, how did they find out? Like, uh, was okay. it someone else bragging that they were doing it or well so from what i can tell here um let's see the actress who supplies the german voice work for overwatch's farah has had her work replaced in the game's latest, game's latest patch seemingly without her knowledge the change was confirmed by blizzard on the german overwatch forums according to google translate they sometimes we cannot continue working with certain voice actors due to availability issues or similar unforeseen difficulties we have such a case with the german version of farah Prompted by the announcement, many fans of the original actress, I, I'm sorry, I'm not going to try to pronounce her name, we'll put it in the show notes, post a message of support on her website's guestbook. So apparently people who 
found out this on the forums, headed over to her guestbook and said, hey, I'm so sorry that you got replaced. In her reply, she says that those messages were the first she'd heard that her work had been replaced. She says she was willing and available to record new lines and that she feels a certain disrespect. Yeah, that's a messy situation. It's it's but then the other thing is is like does Blizzard have an obligation to let her know that her work was being overdone, basically? That's, that's the whole thing. I don't know. And I, I of course I'm not privy to the contracts that these people sign. Yeah. But it's still kind of shit. I mean, I yeah, I love Blizzard. I love playing but, their games, but that's kind of a shitty move on their part. It is, but like then at the same time, like if they have a different vision for the character and they need a different voice actor to complete that vision sure. and they're they're revising it, like do they have obligation to go back to the original person and say, like, oh hey, by the way, we're gonna redo this. Uh, you know, thank no. you for your work. Like like that's like I don't know, like it 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 seems like a douchebag move. Like, see what I what I would think would be more of a douchebag move would be if like the person is going to sound exactly the same and they just hire a different person to do the voice because they thought the person was an asshole in the studio or something like I don't yeah. but but I don't know like it's like I, I get both sides of this like it, it sucks on her part definitely but at the same time like I don't know if I feel like Blizzard actually has any obligation to tell the person that like hey we have a different idea for this character and it's not like you were signed on to play the character for 10 years or something weird like that let me put a caveat in there obligation no to i i think it would be kind of fair to the actress yeah. to give a, an explanation not necessarily that they have an obligation to do so but they're generally really good people i, I haven't had any issues with blizzard in the past i don't see why they yeah. wouldn't you know obligation absolutely not there probably isn't any contractual obligation to do so but just to say hey we're gonna do this we're sorry but your service is no longer required seems like a much more pretty way than yeah. her to find out on her guest book yeah true but at the same time if she had completed all of her contracted work and they just decide to we hire someone else for the next whole yeah thing. but yeah but if but that's what i'm saying like if sure. if the case is that she had completed all of her contracted work they said thank you for all your help we'll, we'll let you know if we need anything else and then they yeah. decide to switch the character up and go with someone else i don't know it's and and i'm, I'm not saying that that's incorrect or wrong but it just it just seems like there's a shit situation happening yeah. oh yeah mm. it's shitty for both sides and i just wanted to throw it out there so people know what's going on oh i, I feel you i feel you um okay so what, what about news? what about capcom what, what's going capcom, on with this so apparently with the reinvention and success of resident evil 7 so resident evil 6 was kind of a just to go into a little bit of uh, history, it was looked upon as a departure from the original Resident Evil franchise. The five and six were basically like, we're turning into an action game, deal with it. And a lot of fans were not happy with this particular development. So they, Capcom's looking at this as a complete new series, really. The start of a new series. And... Resident Evil 7 has been met with rave reviews. People have been loving it that there's a lot of back to its roots, so to speak. And they're apparently already planning Resident Evil 8 as we speak. And I'm pretty excited about that because while I haven't played 7 yet, I kind of want to wait until I get a VR setup because it's supposed to be that scary. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with Resident Evil 8. 
because it seems like that they have basically gone back and said, we want to redo Resident Evil 1 with new technology. That's what it seems like here. Because you're in the middle of a pretty large house doing similar things. Yeah. Everything that I've seen, it, it looks pretty much nothing like Resident That's Evil the point. 1. We want to redo it entirely. Yeah. A similar concepts, different game entirely. Yeah. Anyway. I'm looking forward to seeing what they're doing with Resident Evil 8. They're looking at it as a complete renewal of the franchise, and I couldn't be more pleased. Okay. I, it, I've heard nothing but good things about Resident Evil 7. I'm Same. still still not a Resident Evil fan, so I don't know. Um, Understandable. Some I, of the I, footage... I big objection of it. <laughs> some of the, the footage I've seen of people doing Let's Plays of it get really hilarious, where they're like running circles around a car that's being driven inside of a barn by like a crazy redneck and like he's trying to run them over and they're just running in circles around it and uh it it, it gets hilarious i'll have so to see if i can find one of the videos that was really funny please tell me that there is a tune of yakety sax playing in the background no but there should be i think it was one of the so there's a a youtuber i've started following recently that does bad game reviews okay and like intentionally bad game reviews and they're sure. I think he's Dutch, uh, but he's there. The first couple I watched were like, just kind of made me chuckle a couple of times, but now I watch the more recent ones. And like, sometimes my sides hurt from laughing so hard at some of the games that he reviews. Like he told the story of world of Warcraft at one point in time. And it was so, I think it was like a full review of Legion. It was so hilariously bad and like, (laughs) and wrong because he was like not playing the game. Right. And he was doing all this really dumb shit. So he like missed the actual plot of the game. (laughs) Okay. So did he do a better job than the Warcraft movie did? I don't know. I've heard terrible things about that. film. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the, the film was, you know, based on an RTS that didn't really have a whole lot of plot. So, all right. And it shoehorned a whole bunch of crap in. So, okay. It's there. All right. We got to do it. It's happening. Got to start Ready talking about the game now. Yeah. Cause we were already, uh, what, a fucking hour in at this point? <laughs> close. About 45 minutes, I think. Plus, you know, a little bit of a break. Um, we all right. Gotta stop doing this shit. <laughs> like fucking 45 minutes for news. This is bullshit. Like, I'm mad for the audience. <laughs> uh well i don't know hey audience you tell us do you like us talking about that kind of stuff do you like us discussing those things do you want us to cut it out and get to the topic faster do you want to hear more of it you know you let us know all right because that's about. how we we evolve this sh- the show is you tell you talking to us yes we like audience participation say hi all right we're friendly i might bite yeah. you a little <laughs> okay you do that. You could run it. You do you. All right. So I want to talk first before we get into any spoiler things or stuff. I want to tell kind of that the weird history of this game because this game has a really bizarre spot in the timeline of both SquareSoft and Nintendo. So to put it in reference, the the two people that are kind of primarily responsible for this game are a designer named Hiromichi Tanaka, who was basically one of the biggest early designers in Squaresoft. And some of his credits include, I don't know, Final Fantasies 1 through 4, Xenogears, uh, Secret of Mana and its sequel, Seiken Densetsu 3, Final Fantasy 11, 
Dissidia Final Fantasy, that weird fighting game that they made, and Final Fantasy fourteen up until about 2010. So basically... And, and several other games. Like So their big staple early works were his yeah. stuff, and then some of their more recent interesting things, like both MMOs and the fighting game that they made based in Final Fantasy are his design work which is in production work so so if you've enjoyed pretty much anything square has done yeah. since the beginning you've enjoyed hiramichi tanaka yeah that's he produced secret of mana so the head designer was uh koichi ishii uh and he worked on final fantasy one through three every second and setsu game through 2007's heroes of mana including final fantasy adventure he did Final Fantasy Legend. It was also a part of Final Fantasy XI and its first expansion. And he left Squaresoft to start his own company. And his own company has been doing all of the Zelda ports to the DS and the 3DS. Okay. Like, like I, the, oh God, Ocarina of Time port was really good. I enjoyed it. He did. He did. He was the lead on uh, Majora's Mask, like the most recent one that he did. I think. I'm. I'm not gonna. Mm-mm. It's. Most people just hate that game because it's Majora's Mask, not you know, whether or not it's a good port. Yeah, I know. I know. So, basically, the these two guys working together is functionally equivalent Magical. to a dream team from early SquareSoft games. You have one it's of the. Magical. Yeah, you have you have two of the big minds behind the the you know the beginning of Final Fantasy, and so this game started up as Final Fantasy three ended, and these two guys went from the Final Fantasy three team to start working on this game, and it began its life as Final Fantasy four, like it was going to be the next Final Fantasy game, and Tanaka has said in a bunch of interviews that he wanted the game to be a slightly more action-based dynamic overworld rather than keeping combat as a completely separate thing. So the fights happen on the main map, not you get sucked into this other dimension and have these turn-based battles, which is interesting because that's what Final Fantasy has now become. So I think Tanaka overshot slightly, though. Yes. Well, and that's large margin. Well, and that's what (laughs) he has said, like how he, he, he says in these interviews is basically like there was a point at which the game stopped being Final Fantasy four. Like they knew this is not a Final Fantasy game anymore. This is something else. Mm -hmm. And amusingly during development of the game, the project's name was Chrono Trigger. Yep. It was originally intended for release on the Super Famicom CD-ROM, which, if you remember some of our other episodes, like the Super Nintendo episode, this was the device that caused Nintendo and Philips to split ways after they failed to make it, and then caused Nintendo and Sony to split ways after they failed to make it, and caused Sony to go on to make the PlayStation. Fair enough. So the Famicom CD-ROM did not exist, so they had to change the game and release it on the Super NES, because that was the plan at that point in time. Some estimates from the team at this point were that 
around 40% of the game's original content got cut, which is crazy. Like that's a crazy amount of game material and stuff to cut because they went from having the 700 megabytes of a D CD to only having however tiny amount a Super NES cartridge has. Can I segue for a second here? Sure. It still feels like it's padded, even knowing that it's 40% has been cut. It still feels like there's a lot of padding in it. Well, so this is part of the reason why, I think. So when it was cut down, they had to cut a bunch of the story and a lot of the character development because Tanaka says that it just wouldn't fit on the cartridge. Like they had, to, so they had to compress everything down and then you had translation issues hmm. because the translation of the game got rushed and the game was localized in North America 30 days after it was released in Japan. That's actually pretty impressive. The translation was done by a man named Ted Woosley, who is basically any Squaresoft game released for the Super NES. He translated. So he did Breath of Fire, Final Fantasy 3, which is really Final Fantasy 6, Chrono Trigger, Secret of Evermore, Super Mario RPG. You've played this man's translations. Yes. Some of them are good, some of them not so much. Yeah. So he has always been frustrated with this game because he had to cut such huge amounts of the script out because of the design decisions of releasing the game in North America. So they had space limitations on the cartridge. They only had a certain number of text boxes he could fill because then they would have to change the game and spawn more text boxes. Mm -hmm. And the game chose to use a fixed width font. So you couldn't vary the amount of text you could cram into a text box. Good Lord. So he had to like gouge conversations down to their bare essentials. That's his wording down to their absolute bare essentials. This is, I think what leads to the game feeling like it's padded is that just there is so little dialogue in the game. And so much of the story has to be just relied on context and actual gameplay that it, it feels like it's story light at times because and another part is you you some of the bosses you fight three or four different times <laughs> well yeah there's not just the that the that a lot of the dialogue is cut but there's also a, there's also a portion of the place where you're told hey this guy's not here go do something else hey this guy's not here he's somewhere else four fucking times <laughs> Fuck that yeah. guy and everything he stands for. <laughs> nice. I'm assuming we'll get to this rant here in a little we'll bit. Uh, that, that is the we'll, rant. That's the main bit of the rant, but we'll, yeah. we'll get to the character later on. I didn't want to spoil it for anybody. Sounds good. All right. So, yeah. The interesting part, is, two, two interesting things at this point in time is the systems and stuff that got cut from this game when it got released got rolled over into a new project at Squaresoft that eventually became the game Chrono Trigger. So who knows what kind of weird Chrono Trigger mechanics would have ended up in this game if it had actually been allowed to be its full size. I would love to play their genuine vision for this game. Yeah, I like love the, to play a remake with everything that they cut. Yeah, it, it just it would have been interesting to see. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, the... 
game was recently re-released and enhanced and it was originally in 2010 for ios and then it got ported to android in 2014 uh and the two big things that make that version potentially worth checking out over the super nes version are that they fixed a number of bugs in the game mm -hmm. because they could and they retranslated the english dialogue from the original japanese so i don't know if they added more of the text boxes and stuff but they redid the translation to try and make things more coherent and flesh the story out a bit more so <laughs> now we can talk about the super nes versus mobile versions of the game because you played the super nes version and because i've played the super nes version a bajillion times i decided to buy and play the ios version because i wanted to see if it was what was different if it was sure. worth checking out on the platform it's it's weird because it's it feels like they completely redid the whole engine and everything because i'm pretty sure they couldn't use the same engine on sure. I, there's no way it it's they had possible. they had to recode it in something and in the process of this some things got tweaked everything is way way noticeably faster in the game you move faster combat is faster the enemies are faster they're on-screen controls because it's a mobile game they're sure. kind of meh but they work yeah and I personally would do what I did, which is buy a Bluetooth controller made for your device of choice, whether that's iOS or Android, and play with the controller, which made it a lot better at, at that point. Imagine. One of the changes they went ahead and did is they added uh, four hotkeys that you can adjust on the side. And the two things you can do with it are you can either drag weapons over into it and if you hit that button, it'll switch whatever character that is to that weapon. So, like, you can change one of the the NPCs to do it, or you can have your character do it, depending on which character you're playing, because you can swap back and forth between all the characters. Um, yep. And or you can hotkey spells to it, and it'll just. And the weird thing is, is it works like a macro almost, because it just like it will open up the menu and select the spell <laughs> instead of just casting the spell. So it nice. works a little wonky, but yeah. but it works. But unfortunately, the thing that I think is really missing from the mobile game that would have really made it stand out is if it had multiplayer. But then again, like I don't know other than locally if you can do multiplayer with an emulator and that's something i've been wanting to look into for a while to see if they there are emulators that have the ability to play online multiplayer but sure. i don't know yeah i don't i've never done it so it's something i, I would have to look into functionality is there i yeah. know that um oh actually one of the main emulators has it i don't know mm -hmm. i haven't used it i wanted to but i've I'd never had a chance to find anyone one who had the emulator that i was playing with two yeah. had the time to try and help me out and fix it yeah so maybe we'll try to find an SNES emulator sometime because that could be a lot of fun because uh, I would definitely play through this game again. And then I would also definitely play through uh and Densetsu 3 if I could play with other people because the, the reason it's so bad to not have multiplayer is that you get stuck with what I call the derp squad, which is mm -hmm. the two NPCs that run around with you at all times because yeah. the AI... It's a 20-year-old AI, and they get their ass handed to them so much. It's so hilarious. The worst part about it is that when you try to run through a dungeon, you can't really run through the dungeon without 
the derp squad stopping and starting to attack the enemies that you're trying to go past, which is really frustrating and irritating. You can if you set their action grid right, which we will talk about in a little bit. <laughs> See, the thing is, I, I've always I always had the action grid. I just set it for a specific thing. Hey, go. I didn't want to fuck with it constantly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is the problem. Like you, you, yeah. you would have to if you want to run through something. You have to go into the action grid. Say, keep far away and and uh, don't engage. Yeah. Otherwise, engage and it's just too much of a hassle. I just said, fuck it. I'm done. I'm yeah. gonna keep running, and if I need to, I'll switch to the other characters. It's yeah. that. It's that simple. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. So here's, I guess, kind of where we can toss in a little spoiler warning. We're not going to do the big crazy spoiler warning. We're also not going to go super deep into the story. We're not going to pick everything apart. We're just gonna we're gonna talk about the game for a little bit. We're gonna talk the mechanics so, and stuff, and we're gonna talk fights and some other little things. But you know, there there yeah. will be occasional spoilers. So you've been warned. You've been warned. Go but play it. I will. Awesome s- I will say this. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'm I'm saying this even with my my frustration for where the game just kind of spikes in difficulty taking into account, I would definitely recommend playing this game. It is a very enjoyable game, even with its all of its faults. It's still fun. Give it a shot. Yeah. It's it even if you pick it up on iOS or Android, or if you have access to a cartridge, wow, good for you. Play it. Yeah. Seriously, that is awesome. Anyway, yeah. that said, there will be spoilers, just you've been warned. Yeah. I don't think any spoilers are going to happen for a little while because we're going to talk basically combat mechanics for a little bit because combat mechanics is 90% of the game, I think. Much, <laughs> At least. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's an action RPG. It's it's going to yeah. be a lot of combat. Yeah. So basically, if you don't know, this this game has three characters. And what made it interesting is that it was a three-player game. Like you could, if you had all three people in your party, you could have three controllers and three people play them. And that's where this game really, really shines because players are always going to be better than the AI, just period. Oh, yeah. Um, And it's actually funny because the AI actually seems even more derpy in the iOS version to me, which it's hard to believe. But yeah, they, they were absolutely getting trashed and i could not keep them alive um so you have the main hero who is named randy his name name is randy um yeah is it randy taylor is john no. taylor thomas in this game no he is not it's just randy now oh, i'm sad be sad be sad womp womp Anyway, so so the funny part is that part of the whole translation thing the character names for the other two play the other two characters were not in the American manual. <laughs> so you basically they don't have names. There's just the girl and the sprite in the American version. But the girl's name is Purim, P-U-R-I-M, or in the iOS version, it's Prim, P-R-I-M-M. And the sprite's name is Popoe. So there you go. You have Randy you and say about that. Randy, Prim, and Popoe. The I'll give a a slight spoiler here. Uh, So one of the neat things with Prim is that she's a very strong-willed female character. Like, and it's really awesome to see. And one of the really cool moments in this game is, so when you get her to join your party, she's like, all right, cool. We're going to go do this. You're going to go help me do this. And your orders, like your your task that you are given in the game is go do something else. Mm -hmm. And she's in your party. And 
you can go try and do what she wants you to do, but you're not going to succeed. It's really incredibly difficult to succeed. You can, but you're not going to succeed. Actually, I don't think you can, because I don't think you have the axe at that point in time in the game. So you there's, there's a wall blocking your progress, and you need the axe yep. to get through it. So you have to go do something else. And as soon as you step into the this cave to go do this other thing, she goes, hey, what the fuck? You're supposed to be helping me do this other thing. Why are we here? Come on, let's go do the other thing. And it backs you back out, basically. And then you have to go back in to go like, no, we're going in here. And she's like, all right, look, if you're going to go do this, I'm going to go do what I said I was going to do. See you later. And she just takes off. <laughs> <laughs> and normally in RPGs, when something like that happens, like they don't leave. They just, you know, they derp around with you until you get around to doing whatever they're doing. Like, yeah, you know, Fallout 4. Anyone? <laughs> Where you can just ignore your quest forever and ever and ever. And, you know, speaking of Prim, I guess. Yeah. Kind of. But it is, it was just a really neat moment to me that like they they made her strong-willed and you know she does not give a shit she's gonna go do it herself if you're not gonna help and uh so I got a question for you. did you encounter that with the snes version or is that just for the ios version what because i never encountered that particular situation where she was just left my party she, that never happened yeah she is it because i went is it because i went and got the sprite first yes okay Yes, it is because you went and got you, you got the sprite first. You did not get her in your party. If you have her in her part in your party and you go try to get the sprite, because you can, you can if you, you stop either one first. Yes, I know. Yeah, if you stop in Pandora and encounter her, she will join your party. Yep. Or you go straight to Guy's Naval and get the sprite through. Yeah, I went. I went and got the sprite first, then I went and get, went and recruited her. Apparently, yeah. it was the easier path, so I just went and did that and said, "Fuck it." Well, you have to. Well, did you cannon travel or did you walk? I walked. Okay, because you have to walk through Pandora to get to Guy's Naval. Yeah, I ignored it. Okay, I followed a guy the entire time. That's why. Like uh... I, I just, I did not. I, there, I was. I, we weren't at a time crunch. I wasn't fucking around. Okay. Yeah. True. I don't have. I didn't have time for that shit, and I still didn't complete the game. Yeah. Well, at, for reference, I amusingly found a walkthrough, and I'll use that in quotes. It's a let's play without commentary, but it's a walkthrough of the game for Super NES on uh, YouTube. Dude beats it in under 10 hours. Fuck that guy. It's because he's constantly spamming magic whenever he can to level up his spells. And I think he only levels up the ones that he needs for the boss fights that he needs them in. So he, he's basically speed running it, which is kind of funny. I wonder what the speed run record is. So I don't know. I'm I'm curious. Anyway, um, so the AI is just bullshit. It's essentially with the action grid is it's it's kind of a it allows you to choose what your what your AI will do. So if you've got Prim, for example, who comes originally with a set of brass knuckles, a glove, really. Uh, she's a clearly a physical combatant. You want her up close and personal, beating the crap out of people. You can have her get close to the enemy and engage. That way she'll be continuing to engage the enemy and beating the enemy to a pulp. Whereas Popoy uh, is a ranged combatant, came originally equipped with a bow and arrow. So I kind of kept with that theme throughout the entire game. Like I eventually got to a point where I gave Prim the spear and gave Popoy the uh, boomerang. Yeah. Because those were the ones that, that you kept leveling up for fastest. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, she so, Prim is actually really good with the spear. Um, one of the things I usually switch the sprite to is the axe because it does more damage. But I'm a dick. <laughs> no, that's fair. I just I always left it as um, yeah, one it, one ranged it, one. Yeah, I, I thought okay. it was easier, and then just gave uh, Randy, which is a really dumb name for the main hero, the sword of mana, obviously. Yeah. Oh, and it does more damage than every other weapon. So you you want him to have the sword of mana. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a way to tune the AI for combat. And basically, it's a literally it's a grid, and you have one access is whether they keep their distance or get up close and personal, and the other one is aggressive or passive. Right. Yeah. Am I remembering that correctly? You're you're right. Either engage or don't engage. I think was what it said in the, the Super Nintendo version. Yeah. So to wow, okay. Two hours, 57 minutes, and 21 seconds. Best time for a single person. One hour, 52 minutes, and 41 seconds. Best time for a multiplayer set. Oh, that that sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, if you're curious, I went over on Speed Demos Archive and found those. They do have the videos of those runs, too. So I'll link those in the show notes. Nice. So also, to, to circle back just for a second, so your 700 megabyte CD game potentially got condensed down to a 117 megabit cartridge that's rough that's just wrong so normally up to 95 megabits of it were for rom data and then eight megabytes for the backup save system so they convinced 700 megs of game down to 95 like that's how drastic that the cuts were and a lot of it can be done with you know compression of graphics and stuff like that but and music and craziness but anyway that's that's a huge difference in possible game size yeah. so then i want to talk about for a second the action grid in the mobile version of the game because it kind of sucks really you don't get to tune it you basically okay. get to set it to one of five things all right. Attack the closest enemy first. Makes sense. If so say say you're setting prim, right? Okay. She has two different assist modes. She can either assist Randy or assist Popoe. Mhm. So then Popoe has two choices of either assist Randy or assist Prim. Sure, sure. Assist the uh, one of the other two characters is yes. really what the mode is. Attack enemies not targeted by allies. Hmm and keep distance from enemies so they won't fight at all they'll just run away and try not to get hit i bet you money that they called this a streamlining of the action grid as opposed to a nerf probably in the notes but yeah it it is definitely a nerf because yeah because basically in the original game it's a four by four grid right uh it's actually um or is it five by five no you're right it is four by four yeah so there's 12 different ai modes in the SNES game as Paul is looking it up. <laughs> I think it is absolutely four by four. So the uh, let me see if I can find an English version of this. There's attack, approach, guard, and keep away as the four axes. Um, if you and there is it's a four by four grid, and you can even tell them how much level gauge that you want to have them level oh, up to for yeah, their attacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the other thing to, to mention about the action grids uh, is that one of the settings on the side is how much they will charge up their basically combo special attack meter. Mm-hmm. And 
that can actually come in really handy at times or they just completely derp out and get their ass kicked while they're charging up which you know both definitely happen a lot i didn't dick around with that at all uh if i wanted to do a charge attack i had randy do the charge attack I, I just I did the charge attack myself. I didn't want to dick around with them doing the charge attack. I'll make them cast magic. That's all they're there for anyway. They're basically yeah. my healing potion and damage attack. Yep, that's it. They are they are spell people basically. That's all they do. They keep you alive, or or they yep. take damage so that you stay alive. <laughs> they're I, I call <laughs> they, the the walking healing potion and uh, Popoy my gun. Nice. So. This is an RPG, and there is leveling in the game. There is. And there's basically three kinds of leveling, which is yeah. kind of weird. It was a um, interesting system. I liked it. And one of them is gated in a weird way. So you have your normal player leveling, like in any RPG. Like the more stuff you kill, the more experience you get, the more you level, and that adjusts your kind of your base attack, your base you know, health, you know, normal, normal RPG stats. It's right it's there. Um, then you have weapon skill and weapon level. And this is one, the one that's weirdly capped in that you need seeds and orbs for the different weapons and you get an orb and you, it gets forged by, you know, the trusty dwarven blacksmith Watts because it's a final fantasy game. When when it levels up your weapon, you can level up your proficiency in that weapon, and you can unlock another combo slash power move. Right, and it's all done by using the weapons. Uh, and then the same thing is spell level and spell skills, which are done by using the same spell over and over and over again. And each spell has its own level and right. experience bar, basically. So the cool part is, is you get you get levels and you get more powerful by doing it. The bad part is when you have to grind <laughs> defensive magic is really, really easy to grind. Cause you just, you know, you just cast it. You just heal yourself over and over and over and over and over again. And then you talk to the innkeeper and rest and then heal yourself over and over and over again. Talk to an innkeeper and rest, heal yourself. Over. Yeah, that's so you can literally just continue healing yourself, even though it's not actually doing anything. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay. That's interesting I've, because I've, I don't think I've ever run into that bug. Huh? Well, there's any, that... That honestly seems like a bug in and of itself because yeah. you're casting magic that's not actually doing anything and somehow still leveling it. I don't but know. It's going off. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's yeah. that's the important bit. So this is really probably where my biggest annoyance and failing was for the game because I did not level much of my magic at all. Yeah. I didn't want to do the grind because I don't like grinding in games. Yeah. I, it's I, that simple. That. I don't know. But that's that's probably just me. I mean, so Combat in and of itself is a really, really interesting uh, thing. I mean, you've got a, a Diablo-like combat in that you're you're speeding around the area, hacking and slashing your way through enemies. Uh, there's also the ability to charge attack, which is your attack meter. Yeah. Uh, but so the thing is with the attack meter is really kind of interesting because once you swing once, you have to wait for your attack to recharge. Otherwise, you're going to do a dramatically reduced amount of damage. Yeah. So you swing, wait for that sucker to get back up to 100%, then swing again. Otherwise, you are not going to do yeah. much damage at all. So the reason I think this is actually a really good thing, and I really like it, is that it mm -hmm. it gives a weird rhythm to combat. And there's yeah. like there's this weird like flow to the game where you move away and kind of dance around an enemy and hit it and retreat and dance around and hit it and and 
kind of abuse the AI pathing and you yeah. yeah. And and you can totally if especially with three players, and this is where it gets really awesome with three players, is that WAP run, WAP run, WAP yeah, run. There's this ability to stun lock people in that when you oh, hit I someone, know. when when anyone gets hit, whether it's a player or an NPC, it gets stunned for a second. And it doesn't take damage for there's a little window where it can't take any more damage. But you can hit it again for damage before that stun ends. And if you could time it right, you can trade. So Randy can hit him, then Prim can hit him, and then Popoy can hit him, and then Randy can hit him. And then you, and you can just keep trading this. And you can keep this monster stunned the whole time and just absolutely trash the, the mobs on the way to bosses. And sometimes it works on bosses too. Yeah, some bosses. And yep. some a, a lot of the time it works on the derp squad. <laughs> yes, I know. I've lost a lot of uh fucking oh, what are those chalices? What uh, couple wishes? Yeah, the couple wishes. I lost a lot of those uh, fucking bullshit. So there <laughs> are also charged moves and special attacks. So after the attack with that hundred percent meter, once that hits the top and you still haven't let go of the attack button. You can charge up a special attack based on, I believe, how many of the mono orbs that you've collected. It, it is your weapon skill, which is okay. capped by the number of orbs you have for that weapon. Okay. But okay. if you haven't leveled it up yet, it'll be one lower. So it's, yep. or if you haven't leveled that weapon up, if you're training a new weapon, it'll yeah. be lower. Yep, it totally makes sense. Yeah, and then we we discuss the stun lock and the and the spells and. Honestly, the so there's this weird thing that I discovered in the middle of this last fight that I had with uh, I'm going to just drop the name right now the the dragon worm who is arguably the hardest boss in the game. Yes, he is actually I probably the out, hardest boss in the game. So I, I found out that if you have Prim at zero and still have her cast her cure spell on everyone, she will get up, cast the cure spell, bring her back above zero. Which, if you hit zero in this game, you're you're done. You see, you see the Reaper, as as they as they say in the game, and you are dead. Literally, there's a Grim Reaper that will follow you around for a minute, <laughs> like yeah, over the person's just, head. <laughs> yeah, you just knock around for a second, and then your character is then a a ghost. Really, it's an apparition that kind of is transparent and follows you around still until you bring them back with a cup of wishes, which is the game's equivalent of a Phoenix Down yeah. or or a resurrecting device of some yeah. kind. Although uh, later on, Prim does get a resurrection spell. Yes, she does. And it is one of the best spells in the game. <laughs> it it is more. magical. As long as Prim Literally is the one that magical. dies. <laughs> Which is the problem because she always fucking dies for me. <laughs> All right. Where to God, those two AI are brain dead. Yes, that's why I refer to them as the derp squad right now. So... Um, You've got a myriad of weapons, um, and I, I are all of them mono weapons? I don't know. So as you get the orbs and the seeds and stuff, Watt imbues them with mana. This is part of the storyline okay, so is that are. he tempers the mana sword for you because it's this rusty weapon. So he cleans it up and fixes it, and in doing so, it makes his smithing hammer magical. Yep. And so he goes, hmm. Let me try something real quick. Hold on. Come back to me in a little bit. And you go off and fight a boss. And then when you come back, he gives you an he makes an axe for you. And the axe is powered by mana because he forged it with his now magical hammer that is magical because he used the hammer on your sword. Yeah. 
So basically, he, in tinkering with all of your weapons, turns them all into mana weapons. So yes, they are okay, all so yes, mana weapons. They all become magical weapons because of your sword and what? Yep. And what is really funny because he somehow just ends up following you throughout the entire game because reasons unknown. I mean, there's some <laughs> shimmy plot device that goes around basically Watts like, hey, they weren't using this building. Ha ha. So I'm going to use it. So the the actual plot device is that he decides he was tired of being crammed out in the cave and decided to go like get some fresh air and stretch his legs. And then the ends, portion of it. And then ends up in every weird nook and cranny town and village you stop in for the rest of the game. Yeah, and the, and the gold tower location where the entire town is made of gold. Um he ends up just using a building that nobody was using because they'd all moved on to some resort town which yeah. is just hilarious anyway you've got um yeah, the, a total the one of... thing the one thing that is really cool about this game yeah is it has a very very quirky sense of humor and there is some weird weird shit in this game that you yeah. know it, it's it's like you know those weird old Final Fantasy games where you just get these random random ass monsters that you fight and you're just like what in the fuck is that and why am i fighting like burning tires and just weird shit like you know that, that just comes out of nowhere like there is a monster in this game that we might talk about in a little bit that's like i, I think it's a tomato like it, it's a tomato plant with a bunch of stacked on top of a bunch of shit and it's like what yeah. the fuck is this like it's some of the the monsters which we'll talk about in in a minute like they're they're so kooky and crazy and yeah one of the things that makes a really prominent feature in this game amusingly enough is moogles there's shit tons of moogles in this game and yeah. there's actually a status effect in the game where you get turned into a moogle and can't do anything and it's funny because it's ishii is uh he created moogles and chocobos while he was nice. working at square so he just crammed them in the game because he loved he liked them so to put context in with that particular um, tomato piled on a bunch of garbage, it's literally called Tomato Man. Yes. That's it. I've... There's also a disembodied hand, like bird claw, called Griffin Hand. There's just some random shit that yeah. just pops up everywhere. It's ridiculous. Although yeah. the Griffin Hands, I recommend that once you get to the Pure Land, grind with those. They give you 2,500 gold per and, and 3,000 experience per. Yeah, that's a lot of XP at that point. Yeah, there's there's a lot of just weird weird stuff in this game. Anyway, there's a grand total of four. Uh, sorry, not four. Eight weapons in this game. There's the mana sword, which is literally the sword of mana, the sword of legend. What's yeah, going it's, to it save is the ex, world? Excalibur, basically, like literally Excalibur at times. Right. Yeah, one of the transformations is called Excalibur. Yeah. Well, it at the beginning of the game, it's stuck in a rock in the middle of a yeah, well. pond. When Watt levels it up, it's literally called Excalibur. Yeah. There's also the axe that uh, Dan mentioned earlier, which uh, Watt upgrades and gives you at the beginning. There's the spear, which has a uh, melee weapon, literally a melee weapon three each that we mentioned as well, that I always equipped with Prim because it seems to suit her fighting style. Yeah. She comes equipped originally with, with a, a pair of gloves, which she's got some, as Dan put it in here, mad kung fu skills. Uh, there's no range no. to it. The, the gloves are awesome. Like, they are literally one of the most fun weapons to use in the game, especially the crazy-ass combos and charge moves with it. 
it is really, really fun, but it has no range. Like you have to get right yeah, up in gotta... someone's face to use it, which makes it more fun because you like punch and kick people and <laughs> do all that too. <laughs> I think there's one that's like literally the like hurricane kick from like Ryu and Ken from Street Fighter, where he's like yeah. like across the screen hitting people. Pretty much. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, there's it's also weird. the javelin. Yeah. There's also the javelin, which of course is a short range throwing spear. There's the whip, which uh, gives you the ability to uh, reach places that have well pegs and stuff that are yeah. pounded into the ground. You can pull your party over gaps and stuff like that. There's the bow, which has a really kind of uh, as you put in the notes, really that's accurate. It's depressingly short range. Like you'd think it'd go across the screen. It doesn't. No, it it no. goes. I think it's actually shorter range than the whip. Yeah, and it's also shorter range than the boomerang, which probably is the longest range weapon in the game somehow, I guess, which is one of the reasons why I kept it on uh, Popoy the entire time. Yeah. The boomerang has some really weird combos with it too, which are yep. basically you like do these super ridiculous windups and then throw the boomerang. <laughs> and the super ridiculous windups do damage to people if they get hit by it. Um, yep, yep. It's, it's basically like t- turning yourself into a whirlwind and then all of a sudden a boomerang flies out. Yeah. And then there are are critical hits which very hilariously in the game get captioned by <laughs> whatever you hit gets whacked <laughs> yeah and honestly the by the time i was level like 46 or 47 when i was going into the the uh pier land i was doing critical hits with almost every hit yeah it was kind of crazy yeah especially I mean, some it, of the, the the weaker monsters that you're fighting like the the trash mobs like yeah yeah you, you'll just annihilate them at one point yeah. in the game and that, that's obviously with the uh, the Grand Tower or the yeah. Grand... I can't remember. I think it's called the Grand Tower, isn't it? Uh, uh, maybe. It's, it's Grand something or other. The, but at that point, I was just steamrolling, face rolling through the game, which is why once I hit the Pure Land, which was the next area, it felt like the game just spiked in yeah. difficulty. Grand Palace is, I think, what you're thinking. Yes, yes. It's right before you go to the Pure Land, which yeah. the game just spikes in difficulty at that point, and that is where my frustration yeah. lies. Yeah. So speaking of the the crazy critical hits and how fun they are, I want to talk about something just weird that isn't in the notes, but it definitely needs to be talked about. How awesome is opening a chest in this game? <laughs> you literally <laughs> you walk up your character to a chest, you you hit the B button, which for some reason B is does everything in this game as opposed to A for interact, but that's another story. Your character picks up the te- chest wiggles it around a little bit and then all of a sudden slams it on the ground and the chest flies open and it, it can be poisoned and booby trapped and all kinds of other craziness but yeah. it is probably in my opinion the most satisfying treasure chest opening in any video game and it is just it's one of those it things it's so weird like you pick it up and you, you just shake it beat the crap out of it and slam it on the ground and then it breaks open and like <laughs> i don't know it like a christmas like a kid about to open a christmas present and not like he wants to open a christmas present doesn't know what it is wants to figure out what it is shake 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 oh this is cool slam and it opens a fucking chest it's uh, great yeah it's it's so it's just one of those little quirks in the game that's just like it's a weird game it's it's a very japanese game like some of the just the weirdness in the game is it's a japanese but, rpg but, but it's, time, it's so extremely good. relatable it, yeah like yeah, you, you can yeah. Just the the quirky sense of humor that's exhibited throughout the game, even with the heavily hacked script, 
like the, the the heavily chopped script there's still a lot of quirky weirdness that you can relate to it's very entertaining and then there's the obviously the, the chest opening there's a lot of stuff like that and the enemies getting hit with critical hits blank gets whacked just funny silly stuff indeed all right so now we can talk about magic mm-hmm. for a little bit because this again 90 percent of this game is combat at least yep. and then there's yeah. like some dialogue and then there's traveling places um so <laughs> there's magic is comes into the game in the form of elementals and you you recruit these elementals basically and they agree to help you out and travel with you and their abilities manifest in defensive magic through prim and Mm -hmm. offensive magic through the sprite through popoe but this isn't 100 consistent because there are attack spells eventually that prim gets but mostly her abilities buff people like buff your party and heal your party and very importantly give the effect of that element to randy's weapon or sometimes anyone's weapons weapons, yeah yeah um which can actually come in really handy in some of the boss fights because if something's weak to earth magic you just put earth power on all the swords and you just beat the shit out of it with randy yeah and then Popoe's magic is either damaging to them or debuffs the enemy. Some of the abilities are just outright broken. Like there are some bosses where if Earth Earth Slide, which is the second elemental you get in the game, this guy Gnome, yep. uh, like Earth Slide will wreck the shit out of like fifty percent of the bosses in the game. Pretty much, yeah. It's ridiculous how how often you can use Earth Magic and just fucking destroy the shit out of whatever's in front of you yeah so not everyone has really useful stuff unfortunately undyne uh, which is the first one you get that is water and ice spells has cure which is amazing because that allows you to heal people and healing people is good because you don't want to fucking die (laughs) well and we'll talk about it in a minute the uh we'll get to the uh, inventory system and the super limitations on the inventory system. And there are limitations, unfortunately. It, it's a very interesting system, but at the same time, it just... You can't carry much at all. Yeah, you really can't. Because you can... Do you want to just talk about it now, or do you want to keep it going? Yeah, fuck it. Let's talk about it now. You, you, you can get carry four of each thing. Four? What's it? So up until you get Undyne, you can only carry... Well, at that point, you could probably only afford candy... Which heals yep. you for fifty a piece, I think. Hundred and, right. uh, and or chocolate, which is one hundred and fifty. Yeah, that's not enough. You having four candies to get through a boss fight is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I I got to a point, thankfully, where Undyne was level six for Prim. Yeah, and, and there's just I could just steamroll through everything. Like if she if she target healed one person, nine hundred ninety nine, which is the mm-hmm. max HP you can get in this game. Yes, yes, it is. And then Gnome was Earth Magic with, yeah, I always mentioned Earth Slide and just how it just destroys people. Uh, the Air Magic is Sylphid and has a cool defensive ability, which is Analyzer, which has two things. It, it tells you what an enemy is weak to. And then it will also tell you if a chest is trapped, 
if you cast it on a chest. And it'll also tell you what spell you need to cast on the little magic elemental orbs that you have to yeah. use to unlock things. Like, so Analyzer has some really weird uses. Just most people never ever use it because they're using a walkthrough and they don't need it. Or, <laughs> or because you don't care what it's weak to, you're just going to blast the crap out of stuff. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I, I honestly you definitely don't care if a chest is trapped. You just open the damn chest and save that mana for blasting the boss. Well, well the funny thing is that the chest really doesn't often matter if they're trapped or yeah. not because I noticed that even if it's a doom chest, yeah. I never had the main character die if you open the chest. Not once. Yeah. The only problem I've ever had was early in the game if you open one that's poisoned. And yes. it reduces you to one hit. Poison doesn't kill you in this game. It just reduces you to one hit point. Then everything else kills you in the game. Yeah, then everything else kills you at that point. So getting reduced in when you only have four candies, and yeah, it's it's a pain in the ass. So pro tip, if you end up getting poisoned, wait it out until it expires. Because if you change screens during the game, this is in the SNES version, mind you. If yeah. you change screens during the poison, you immediately go down to one HP. It doesn't matter. What you had before, if you are poisoned, you'll go down to one HP. Just instantly burns off. Yep, instantly gone. Huh. It really sucks because sometimes I lost Randy pretty quickly like that. Want want. Salamando is the fire elemental, and he's like this awesome little salamander-looking dude, like fire salamander. Cool. Yeah, and uh, he has Exploder, I think. Exploder Ex and Fireball. Yeah, Exploder is one of the best spells in the game. Like it just destroys things. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it's costly, but it's very effective. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you don't ever get a lot of mana in this game. You don't get a lot of MP. It's the max. Yeah, and for example, Exploder costs four. So oh, does it? Yeah. Okay, I thought it was eight. I don't think that costs eight. Oh, Lucid Beam. Yeah, Lunar Magic and Evil Gate cost eight. Uh huh. Um. Yeah. There's there's a lot of weird stuff in this game. Uh. See, yeah, Lumina, which is light magic, which only has defensive spells, does not have any offensive spells, has Lucid Barrier, which is really nice because weapons don't do any damage. Like, only magic will do damage to you while it's up. Yep. Uh, and then there's the counterpart to Lumina, which is Shade, which only has offensive magic because it's dark magic. I don't know. I never used any of that stuff other than maybe Dispel Magic, which interrupts, cancels spells which is kind of funny. Yeah, if they have a buff on them, it'll remove the buff, stuff mm -hmm. like that. Uh, the only ones I really used were Salamando, uh, Gnome, Undyne, and that's yeah. it for uh, Popoy. I used Undyne pretty much. Yeah. That's it for <laughs> yeah. Prim. Luna Magic, Luna, which is Moon Magic, has a really good defensive spell that's uh, Moon Energy, which makes you more likely to critical hit, which gets really funny in boss fights later in the game when you're critical hitting all the time anyway. <laughs> so I was I was fighting a boss earlier today, and uh, Dan's like, hey, just use Magic Absorb. And I'm like, it's absorbing one fucking MP per thing. It's not going to do anything for me, man. <laughs> I ended up just kicking the shit out of the boss the, the old-fashioned no. way and just beating the fuck out of him. There's uh, probably the strongest magic in the game is Dryads. Yeah. And that's arguable, but the only it thing is, I, it I think is the last it is the last one you get, so it should be the most powerful. Yeah, it's really because of Revivifier, which yeah. just what it sounds like brings your party member yeah. back to life. 
as and, long as Prim's not dead. And mana magic. Because yes. if you cast mana magic, which is both an offensive and a defensive spell, you, you cast it onto the mana sword and you wreck shop. It does it does so uh, much stuff. I could have used that. The trouble is I never found it. Yeah. Unfortunately. You never found super... Dryad? Yeah. Well, I found Dryad, but she only had Revivifier and Wall. Okay. Because she her her magic is sealed when you first find her, like yeah. she can't use it yet. That sucks. Anyway, yeah. So, do we want to go with uh, travel or well, start let's, talking about monsters? Let's talk about quick travel real quick because it's okay. it's a really it's a really quick thing. Uh, one of the really fun systems in this game is the quick travel method, which yep. is. A lot like in, in other games where you like teleport to certain waypoints or whatever. But the way this game teleports you to certain waypoints is through the Cannon Brothers Travel Company, <laughs> where they literally load you into cannons and shoot you across the map. It's hilarious to see because they will take, hey, just get in the cannon, have fun, boom, you're gone. And you're just, you literally, your three characters are going tumbling through the air and eventually land on the, on the world map. It's just very funny. One of the really funny things that always sticks in my mind in this game with the cannon travel is there are times where you'll cannon travel to Gaia's navel and you'll land on a Busby and it'll critical hit the Busby and it'll die. <laughs> it's just like, I, I don't know why it always cracks me up. Because it's so dumb. Like, what are you doing there, Busby? Why? Yeah. Why are you standing there? Now you're, you're dead. In exactly the do? wrong spot. And, and I don't. It probably happens in other locations too. But that one always sticks in my brain. Yeah. Basically, because I really love the Busby, and it's one of the really cool early monsters in the game, and it has a really great death animation. So, it is great. And then towards the end of the game, you get the Flammy Drum, and you can summon a Flammy, or you can summon Flammy. He's he is a Flammy, and he is the Flammy. And it's a it's a dragon, and he yep. you fly around on a dragon instead of an airship, and it's a little weird because it sh it was basically done to show off what's called mode seven, which is a a thing. It's a graphical. Uh, it's a graphical thing for the Super NES, and yeah. it basically makes the world map look three D ish, even though it's a two D sprite, and yeah. uh, you fly around on it. And you had a complaint about it originally. Did that ever? resolve itself so, did you ever get used to it or so so i'll put it this way first let me say that if you played final fantasy 6 and had the airship you have seen mode 7 graphics it's, it's the exact same type of of travel that you use in final fantasy 6 as you do in secret of mana yeah. now it did get resolved so the thing is my gripe with it was that you when you first open the world map by hitting start it's a sphere you're you're looking at the world like the actual mm -hmm planet when you hit left or right bumper it'll flatten out the world into a world map that is when everything went okay this is much better okay because you could actually see the world map for the world map it wasn't just a sphere um but so if you want to see the world map hit start then hit left or right uh, left or right bumper then you'll actually see the full map it makes it a lot easier to navigate around what's cool about this is that it actually gives you the cardinal directions as well as the i can't remember what the other the other term for it is but it'll actually give you basically a compass on the top of your screen so mm -hmm. as you're turning right and left you'll see east northeast south north northwest etc 
makes navigating the map a little bit e navigating the map a little bit easier. And there's also the um, see the the biggest trouble that I had was that while yes the NPCs told you where to go, there's no markings or delineations on the map itself no. showing you where to go. Yeah, and so, that's one of the things is that this is where the Cannon Brothers really shine in this game is a lot of the times if you are wondering where you need to go find the locust local cannon brother and he will more than likely be able to shoot you to where they just told you to go to yes up until a certain point yeah and, 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 then, also, and then at that point you have to fly around with flammy to get there for a lot of stuff so yeah but th there's also a little bit of an issue where even though you you've had said that the, the cannon brothers will shoot at the next direction there's one point where you get into a kind of um kaleidoscopic forest i guess because it goes through all four seasons just by moving to a, to a different screen once you get to that point you have to find a second set of cannon brothers travel company because the first set will not shoot you to the next area which is north town mm -hmm. it won't shoot you there you have to go find a a second set in the northwest that'll actually shoot you there. So it's kind of it's it's a bit frustrating if you're not do, using a guide because your natural thought is like, oh hey, the Cannon Brothers guy will shoot me there. Yeah, you won't. You have to go find the other set. Yeah, it's hit or miss. But usually, the nearest Cannon Brother to whoever told you to go someplace next will shoot you to that place. Yes. Um, when in doubt, otherwise, yeah, you just you you start learning the map pretty quickly and kind of the different areas of the map but yeah but i think it's time to start getting into the npcs and bosses and stuff and this some of this stuff might start getting spoilery when we start talking about favorite stuff and stories from the game and things that we really enjoyed from here but yeah uh, again a little further smaller spoiler warning if you've stuck with us this far you're probably don't care you're probably okay yeah you're not <laughs> Um, first of all, thank you for sticking with us this far. Second, yeah. while we all will get into this spoilerific territory, it's it's worth the trip because there is a lot of good stuff about this game to go with the, the bad. So yeah, stick with us. So some interesting monsters and NPCs that are in this game can't talk about the Second and Setsu series without talking about the Rabbite because it is the unofficial slash official mascot of the series they're actually like they've been like the official second and setsu twitter account has been pimping a bunch of stuff lately because it's like the 25th anniversary of the series right, yeah. and actually, this year and there's a collector's mug in japan and it has a rabbi on it <laughs> i want it they're they're also uh, for a little segue since the 25th anniversary i believe that they might be porting it to the switch all of so, them, including Second and Setsu Three, maybe in they maybe. are in Japan. We don't know if it's getting a translation into the U.S. Honestly, I really hope they do because that would probably be the thing that gets me to buy a Switch. That alone, yeah. That it's not that, Breath of the Wild, certainly. Yeah, that would. I would. I would also then buy Breath of the Wild, but I would definitely sure definitely do it to play a legit translation of Second and Setsu Three, even though I've played it. A couple of times yeah. that would be my tipping point as well yeah. um but anyway so the rabbit is fun it is it's kind of the mascot of the series it, it's literally basically like a bunny with no legs 
and it does has some really weird attacks where it spins around and helicopters with its ears and it takes giant chunks out of your ass it's it's a fun little thing full disclosure i have debated at times on getting a rabbi tattoo um hey you do because it would be funny uh, I actually had it designed and I actually was going to get it done at one point in time several years ago and I took it to a tattoo artist and I had literal screenshots and I was like, I want this and this and this. And the guy was like, all right, cool. Give me a minute. And he like drew up stuff for it. And I'm like, this looks like shit. I'm not getting this tattooed. So I did not get it. Yeah. He did not do pixel art. He wanted to do like his own interpretation. I'm like, no, I want it. You I want pixel want art. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe I'll do it again one day. I just need to find the right person let's hope so let's hope so yeah so another cool monster as i mentioned was the busby which is a little kind of green waspy hornet thing it's one of the the weird early early monsters in guy's navel and it's really mean because it shoots a poison stinger out (laughs) at you like it shoots the stinger out of its butt weird yeah and uh it will poison you and that sucks a lot of ass yeah it really does. Uh, there's also <laughs> stuff like the Lulabud, which is a flower monster that they look like the regular flowers that are just floating around the area until you get too close to it. Then it turns into kind of a Venus flytrap type thing and tries yeah. to get you. It just it also tries to take a bite out of your ass. I mean, hey, you gotta do something with your day, right? Yep. But they're they're really cool because like they're slightly off from a normal flower. So once you learn to see them, like you see them, you know, they're, they're really easy to pick out. But up until that point when you're new to the game and where they're peppered all over the place, like you will, you will totally run into them by accident for, you know, the first 10 or 15 minutes. And and then you start figuring it out and then you start slashing at every flower you see for a little while. And then you realize, wait, no, okay. It's only these specific ones. Yep. Yep. And then then they do change color depending on their environment as well. Like in the, um, the original starting area, they're blue. Then they eventually change to like pink or something like that. Yeah. It's very interesting. They also have different names for them, but uh, yeah. Uh, so this, is, I want to skip and segue to the polter chairs, uh, which first show up in the witch's castle in the haunted forest. And from that point on in the game, it makes you super paranoid of every piece of furniture you run across because not all of the chairs come to life. You'll walk into some rooms and like three of the six chairs in the room will come to life. And then in some rooms, like all of the chairs come to life. And it's just like, God damn it. Yep. <laughs> yeah you have chairs that attack you treasure chests that actually end up being monsters that attack you like the sword of doom is always really funny because it's like literally floating swords oh the water thug is another one that i think is really funny because it's literally a fish that walks around with a spear and he throws spears at you and later on they turn into fish that shoot missiles at you which is really (laughs) fucked up (laughs) yeah like why i don't know where did you get it i don't know so what was your favorite monster in the game and it whether you just thought it looked cool or was funny or was fun to fight or you thought it had a really good design like what was your favorite just like random trash monster in the game so later on you end up in a really weird subway car i guess because i don't i don't know how else to say it there's there's like a subway train in the grand palace and as you're going through it to the underground you you go through essentially 
the music video for Thriller because there's a lot of ghouls roaming around dancing and that is probably my favorite part of the game <laughs> because you're just literally reenacting the, thr the Thriller video with the exception of you just kicking the shit out of all of Michael Jackson's extras. Nice. It's, yeah. it's good stuff. All right. That's probably my favorite is just those ghouls. I can't remember if, if they're like, I think they're called ghoul boys. And uh, just there, there's, yeah, ghouls and zombies are the two. Uh... I, th I think that the game actually refers to them as ghoul boys. Okay. At least yeah. the SNES cartridge, it might be different for what you played. Yeah. What about yours? Uh, so I have two. Okay. Go that on. I want to talk about. One of them is called the Mad Mallard. Yep. And it's. Do you want to describe it or do you want me to describe it? Because this could be okay. funny either way. So when I look at the Mad Mallard, I think someone took an SS trooper and turned him into a duck because he's yeah. got the SS helmet on and he's just roaming around attempting to kill you with a silly little helmet on and just yeah. throws. So, okay. <laughs> it's a cross between an SS trooper, a duck, and the green goblin because yeah. he throws fucking pumpkin bombs at you. Yeah, so so it's a duck walking around with an army helmet on its head. <laughs> he throws pumpkin bombs at you. It's it's so funny. And there's a an evolved version later. It's baffling, really. Um, yeah. There's an evolved version later called Captain Duck, which also uses ex the exploder spell on you. But yeah, that he also just he has a blue helmet and he's a yellow duck instead of a white one. But yeah, it's, yeah. they're just funny. Silly. They crack me up so much. Like, just what the fuck is this? And then probably my actual absolute favorite one in the game is something that I I don't know if I've ever seen anything like it in a game before or since. Right. And it's called the Eye Spy. And you see it a lot in the Haunted Forest and in uh, Eleni's palace, like Eleni's castle. That Yeah, yeah. And... It's literally just like a little green eye stalk sitting out, sticking out of the ground. It can't move. Yep. But what it does is it summons these other mobs called Chobin Hoods, which look like little raccoon Robin Hood guys that shoot arrows at you and stick at a distance and try to kill you. But it will indefinitely summon Chobin Hoods until you kill it. Yes. I, that's a great way to farm experience, but at the same time, as it continues to summon Chobin Hoods, you're kind of screwed because yeah. depending on how many it summons, you might get uh, stun locked because they are very good at stun locking you. Yeah, especially if they stagger their arrows at all, like it can it can yep. hurt. But yeah, sure. it's just I I I'm sure that mechanic has been used in other games before, but it's interesting to see a boss that can hit you and summon other monsters constantly. Yeah, I don't know. So. I think my the next topic we had up here is least favorite slash most annoying monster. Yeah. Uh, I think the ones that any monster that casts casts silence, which is really stupid because silence doesn't actually silence you; it confuses you. Yeah. It's um, dumb. What about the balloon spell? That's just the annoying. stuff. That, yeah. So. There's a spell called balloon, which literally causes a balloon to come out of the top of your head and makes it so you can't move at all. Yep. That's you can't it. do anything. You can't. You can't for spells. 10 to 15 seconds. Yeah. Bats in the game cast balloon on you. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm sorry. They're not bats. They're blats. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Everything has a weird for some name reason. in this game. 
Yeah, I mean, it's like Japan has to do unique things for some reason. Anyway, um, it's just it's a weird spell that doesn't that is really only frequently used in the first quarter of the game up until that point, and yeah. then after that, it just it's just gone from the game. It, it gets replaced with balloon charge or something like that, which is a much yeah. more effective spell. Fucking goddamn dragon. Anyway, um. <laughs> I, I honestly think anything that casts silence is the one that really just fucks my day up. Yeah. What about the, yours? The one that got me in the iOS version of the game were the chess knights, which I remember in the Super Nintendo version, they're just super easy to take out and you know, not a huge deal. For sure. some reason in the iOS version, once they, if they're able to speed themselves up and then yeah. start using their charge attacks, because of how fast paced the iOS version of the game is, like it will absolutely wreck the derp squad. Yep. And you, because you get stun locked if you if there's two or more uh chest knights on the on yeah. the on the screen, you're just done. Yeah. Just reset the game. You might as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the only one that I had a real any kind of real problem with of the trash mobs, basically. All right, let's let's talk about boss fights because, yeah. as you mentioned, there's a lot of bosses that are essentially palette swaps. The this the thing is that they do also enhance the abilities, so it yeah. does it pretty reasonably well. Yeah, they as you gain more ability in the game, they gain more ability too. So, I mean, there's there's a handful that are I thought were really fun. Um, yeah, there's a and boss, I agree with all these. Yeah, so there's a boss that you fight really early in the game in Guy's Naval called uh, Tropicalo or Tropiki, Tropikeo, maybe? I don't know. I don't know if they're uh, going to use... I don't know if they're going to use the Spanish pronunciation or not. They're they're Japanese. They're Tropikeo. weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, So it's this flower, basically a big flower plant, and it, the b- body of the plant moves around and it has these yep. two little bud spawns that have vines that try and attack you and trip you up. And that's literally all the vines do is they just trip you and uh-huh. cause you to basically reset your combo meter and you know interrupt well you don't have any spells at that point in the game so they can't interrupt your spells um although you do get the you do have some spells with boreal face which is the palette swapped version of it yes and slightly harder version of it yes and the but so the thing with uh tropikeo is (laughs) that you're in a cavern and there's a bunch of stalag mites on the ground and so you are very, very limited in the amount of space that you can move around in this fight. You just basically got a small arc. Yeah. And when you fight the improved version of the Boreal Face, you, there is no limit. You're in the big clearing. Yeah, you're in a huge, huge boss arena that allows you to move around freely. Which, um, the thing with uh, uh, Tropicalo, Tropicalo, I whatever, either one. <laughs> Is that you really your best bet is to take out its ads first, those yeah. little trip up things. Then he's just he's a cakewalk. You just slash yeah. at him until he's dead. That's yeah. it. Yeah, you Same uh, you can face. you can pretty much kill him by ignoring those two, but Absolutely. I mean it's it's easier to kill him first. And they don't have much HP, so yeah. It's like Especially four or five swings again. Done. Yeah. yeah. Um then there's an interesting one that like again, I don't know if I've seen this in an action RPG. The Wall Face and Doom's Wall, which are two different versions of the same guy, and yeah. 
the gist of the room is you're you're in a big kind of open room and on the back wall of the room there's a bunch of spikes and as this fight progresses the wall moves closer and closer to those spikes so it shrinks the playable area you have and it has two eyes and a, a gem in the middle i think and it's actually a third eye because the the two eyes are messing around trying to yeah. uh, kill you, and the third eye is basically healing them. Yeah. So, yeah, you just have to do enough damage to it to kill it. But I remember at early times playing this game on the Super NES. This was a really really hard boss fight because time would run out, and you if if you get smushed between those spikes in the wall, you just instantly die and have to yep. start over. Happened to me for once. That. Yeah. Now it's the, uh, it's it's an interesting fight, just like that whole fight. This is one of those bosses that you can absolutely wreck the fuck out of with uh, Earth Slide, though. Yeah. The thing with Doomface <laughs> is, uh, Doom's Wall is that it doesn't actually move forward. Only Wallface does. Oh, okay. it doesn't try it doesn't try to smush you. It just it's just kind of there. It's hanging out, you know, beat the crap out of a wall, I guess. I don't know. It, it's it's a weird fight with uh, Doom's Wall yeah. because there you're in just about no danger all you're doing is just hammering on the two eyes and then the central eye once the, once it opens that's it yeah basically and there's yeah then there's a shadow x1 2 and 3 and they're basically shadows of your party members so yep. shadow randy it's, shadow Pumani, it is the shadow Brim. the infamous rpg trope of fighting shadow versions of yourself and it can get yeah. really funny because they can use charge attacks too and so when both yes. parties are using crazy charge attacks back and forth it gets really fun they also cast magic and stuff at that point so it's just kind of fun with, with the caveat that uh shadow randy prim and papoy use their base weapons so shadow randy uses the sword shadow prim uses her knuckles and shadow papoy uses a bow and arrow yes 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 um so then i have the next two fights i just have because like they're interesting like the actual model of the the sprite because it's like quasi almost 3d-ish animated looking yeah I don't, I don't know so one of them is called the spring beak and the axe beak which is a weird bird thing so it's like this giant weird like almost think angry birds looking bird like the body looks like an angry bird and then it has these weird legs that stick out that it walks around on. Yep. And just the animation just looks cool, especially for the time like that Absolutely. this game came out. Like it is, it, they just look really neat and they're just kind of, it's a fun little fight with, with just this really weird animation right. style. That's kind of cool. And then the opposite is the Jabberwocky slash Hydra that has a body and then two necks with heads fighting so instead of walking around on it it uses those as the the head slash neck for the to, to attack you with and i don't know they're just neat they're kind of fun um yeah, the, the next one however is one we both agree on as probably being the if not the best boss fight then our favorite yeah. which is it is it is one of the few unique bosses in the game you only fight him once yeah agra Garapalon is I, I, yeah. I guess I'm pronouncing it right? It's I, really weird. A yeah. A-G-R-O-P-I-L-O-N. Yeah. Agrigopalon is what I'm going with. Yep. Anyway, it, it's it, so the thing is that it kind of slides in difficulty depending on what moves he uses. It can be one of the easiest fights or one of the hardest fights in the game. Yes. If Basically, if you are below the intended level curve, this is a hard fight. Like a really yeah. hard fight. Yeah. 
but that's the thing with this game is a lot of these fights can be done below the level curve. This is one of the ones that's hard. Then we'll talk about it. The other one in a minute here as, as we get to our least favorite boss fight, another one that is ridiculously hard if you're below the level curve. Uh, but Agrigrepalon, he, he's fun. Like he, he just, he again, looks really fucking crazy. He's, a giant mouth with teeth in a ball with crazy spiky legs. Picture a leg or an egg, an egg with two legs on the end and teeth where the shell should be. Yeah. And you've got about what, whatever yeah. the fuck his name is, is it's, it's a very weird looking boss. We'll include a, a uh, link to the, the bosses in the show notes, but honestly, it's probably the most unique looking boss I've seen for a super Nintendo game. Yeah, it's he's just he's cool. I, I like him. Yeah, They're funny. Yeah. Okay, we all know my least favorite boss is the Dragon Worm, which honestly, exactly where I stopped playing was because of the Dragon Worm. Because it is once you get to the pure or is it the pure land? Yes. Once you get to the pure land, it is an absolute spike in difficulty. Everything is ready to kill you. And it will. So, for example, uh, guys up until this point were, um, gosh, like they, they were around like uh, level 48, like with 408 HP, stuff like that. They were, they had around 400 HP and I was like level 46 going into this place. The Griffin Hand, as opposed to the 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 NPC I was describing, has 600 HP, is level 60, 99 mana, 99 strength, 64 speed, and will fuck you up if you are not careful. Even with the best armor in the game that I spent a lot of hard-earned money on, the Griffin Hands were still handing me my face. Like, here you go. Here's a new face. Just enjoy that. Nice. Dragon Worm, however, fuck you dragon worm <laughs> yeah so fuck you dragon worm is almost considered one of the hardest bosses in the game wait, wait, wait. what the fuck do you mean almost because the mana beast is technically harder i guess fine because you the mana beast you can't use magic at all fine whatever <laughs> like you you literally have to keep people alive while you kill him with randy but yeah, yeah he but dragon worm is it yeah it unfortunately is a kind of a, a wall and you just have to figure out how to power through yeah i was gonna i was gonna avoid making the get good joke of because it's not that it's just you gotta grind it's, a no, little bit yeah and i i can and, and then get lucky with some of the his use of magic and his attacks and because you basically are avoiding a charge and blah 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 it happens yeah it's it's a pain because with this guy the dragon worm is a, a really just kind of a a snake that goes around uh, it's a segmented snake that goes around the screen and if he touches you you are going to take damage he just kind of knocks about in uh in 90 degree angles around the screen moving about trying to either yeah. hit you or cast one of his many many spells on you 
yeah. that just destroy your party if you're not. And, high and he uses Exploder too, I think. So yeah, he, he uses one of the most powerful fire slide. In the game. Yeah. Well, he uses Earth Slide. Earth Slide is the, the fucking worst, and that that will just destroy you if you're not careful. Yeah. For me, there's a especially Spiky Tiger. He's one of the early boss fights in the game. You, when you fight him, you basically fight him in a little hallway, so you can't move yep. very much. And again, this is like so. One of the problems with Dragon Worm is because he's moving around in ninety degree angles. With a player, you can kind of move around and avoid it and dodge him and stuff like that. Uh, yep. But Derp Squad is going to get wrecked. Oh yes, one hundred percent. So this is the same thing with Spiky Tiger. Is one of his moves is that he curls up in a ball and then bounces all over the place really quickly and sporadically. And because there's not a whole lot of room to maneuver, like he will stunlock the derp squad and just absolutely wreck their face. And like a pinball yeah. on angel dust. And so basically the p- difficulty of that fight is that basically that fight is done solo. Like you have to do it by yourself. And the funny part is I think that mob is actually based on the first boss fight in Final Fantasy Adventure slash Sword of Mana, uh, which is kind of funny. It's the it's almost the same mechanic, I think. So I don't know. It's just kind of a, a funny fight for me. But that was also really funny too because that's the moment where it kind of sinks in of like, wait a minute, this witch in the middle of the woods is a crazy old cat lady. And like, yeah, it's just this whole one of just like the hilarious little things in this game that's like i don't know if that was totally intended or if it's just like she's a witch she has a cat but she's fucking crazy too so it's just really funny that she's potentially the crazy old cat lady and uh just kind of makes me laugh pretty great so do you have a favorite dungeon temple tower or whatever from this game like what what did you have the most fun playing through or what sticks out in your mind as being good? I think, honestly, the gold tower does. And the only reason I say that is because it's a fairly easy kind of trek through the gold tower to get to one of the bosses. It's uh-huh. not a difficult portion of the game, but it's definitely a place where you can have a good deal of fun if you are doing the right things. So yeah. with the gold tower, I think the only problem that I had with it is one you get to fight the uh the spiky tiger again as blue spike yeah. yeah not not a great fight but not bad fight either because he actually doesn't knock you out this fight like the yeah. spiky tiger would knock your your characters unconscious while they're bouncing around the room blue tiger or blue spike doesn't do that which makes the fight a little bit easier and a little bit more fun in my opinion mm-hmm. the trouble that i had with it is that gorgon bull is there as well so early yeah. on in the, in the game, you fight a Minotaur, which charges at you with, uh, for some reason, drill drill horns. Like, he's already got horns that can gore you. You don't need drills instead. It's a weird situation, basically. <laughs> Gorgon Bull is just an upgraded version of the Minotaur. Not a fun boss, but not a bad boss either. But the entire thing stuck out as me, with, with me because of what you do to get to the Gold Tower. Because the Gold Tower is locked. The mayor's there to basically have one of the um, mana spirits make gold for him. It's locked in at the top of the tower. It's yeah. kind of cool, actually. So you've got to go and get a key from a person that you'd already had interaction with before. 
that had already been a spy for the Imperial Nation or whatever the heck it was. It was, it was it's a very fun little convoluted plot. Yeah. So a handful of things that I thought were kind of cool. There's a, a stage called the Crystal Forest, which just looks really cool because it's, if I remember right, it's like all white and snowy and has like big crystals sticking out of the ground and like, I don't know. It's just a fun little area. And it's where you fight the boreal face, like the upgrade of Tropic KO. Tropicayo, Tropicalo, <laughs> whatever. Um, and then uh, I, I always like the Tree Palace because uh, it's super, super simple. And that's where you fight our favorite guy, uh, a Gagropolion. I don't know. Yes. Pylon. The, the egg face <laughs> thing, okay? <laughs> the crazy thing, uh, which crazy eventually thing. turns into the Grand Palace after you clean it out, basically. Yep. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, you visit it twice. It's a very simple layout. The boss fights are kind of fun. And then Eleni's castle is really cool at the beginning of the game because it's like the first real like castle dungeon you get to explore. And it's pretty straightforward. And then finding out at the end that she's a crazy cat lady is absolutely hilarious. Definitely. So I do have a question for you. What's this up? is a scene that I never actually like you've got a, a couple of stories and scenes that you found really memorable. I didn't actually get to this scene. I didn't get to see it because I'm guessing that you have to go to Prim first in order to get the scene, right? No, you you should get the scene no matter what. I never I got it. Okay, so there's a there's a scene at the beginning of the game that apparently you somehow missed, and I don't know how you missed it. Um, so I'm guessing it's because when, I went to Papoy first. No, because this happens on the way out of the Water Palace. Okay. So you go to the Water Palace first, and you talk to Luca and whatever the hell his name is, the knight dude, uh, Gemma. Gemma? Gemma. Yeah. And they tell you to go to Gaia's Naval. Right. Right. But yep. on your way there, did you run into Dyluk and all of his men going into the Haunted Forest? Yes, but at the same time, beyond that, I didn't get to this scene. I did see yeah. Dyluk in there. So so Dyluk leaves and goes to the Haunted Forest, and you talk to Luca and Gemma, and then you come back out, and as you're going back down, you, you're heading towards the road to go back to where... Uh, Pandora is because right. you have to cut through Pandora to get to Gaius Naval. And right. as you're walking down the road, goblins just jump out and ambush you. Yep. And you get clubbed in the head. When you wake up, you're in a giant cooking pot. Right. And the goblins are standing there, like, you know, laughing about how they're going to eat really well that night. And then some music starts in the middle of their little village and they go, Oh man, I want to go dance. Let's go dance. So they just abandon you, they just leave to go dance and prim sneaks in because she thinks that you are dialogue. Like she just saw the goblins capture someone and thinks that it's dialogue because it's her boy dialogue is her boyfriend. And so she, she comes up to the pot and is like, ah, oh, crap, who the hell are you? And you're like, uh, help <laughs> much, so, yeah. so she pulls you out of the pot and you guys sneak out of the goblin village and then she's like 
all right, cool. Well, you're not Diluc, so I need to go find him. Bye, and runs off. Yeah. It, it just, I'm surprised that I never actually found this scene. This scene did not happen yeah. for me it's, at all. It is super early in the game. So, like, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm totally surprised you didn't hit it either because I've never not hit this scene. But do you play the game the same way every time? Like, like do you, I don't know. Try to, I, that's the thing. I, I, I couldn't tell you. Like, I, I tried because there's two different ways you could go from the beginning of the game after you hit, after you leave the water palace. You go straight to directly to the guy's navel and pick up a boy, or you could go do the witch quest and pick up. Um, but this is before you even get to Pandora the first time. This is like literally a okay. So do you know just south of the Water Temple where there's that little house off to the left that has a Nico in it? And yeah, yeah. So you know how like when you come out of there, there's that place where it goes straight down by the river, and then you cross a bridge. That's where it is. It's literally you walk from the water palace right down to that area and boom, yeah. it triggers the event. Never got it. It's weird. I have no idea. Like, because you don't even get a chance to pick to go to Gaia's navel or to pick up either Prim or Popoe. Like, it just happens on the way. It's just never triggered. So, I don't know why. Yeah. I yeah. But I don't know. That's just one of those just weird little neat scenes in the game that kind of ties everything together that's kind of funny so like yeah. do you have a favorite storyline of the game that's not a joke so, so I, did, <laughs> I did jokingly put here chrono trigger but because that eventually this this inspired uh, chrono trigger to happen however um I, th I honestly think that the the gold tower little storyline and the storyline leading up to the gold tower is my favorite because of the basically you liberate you help liberate a bunch of rebels from a uh, a a basement dungeon and they are so grateful they help you out later on in the game. It's really interesting because uh, Gemma teams up with the rebels in order to get get to the uh, the underground palace and the grand pa that eventually turns into the grand palace. It's very a, a very neat little storyline that happens in the game. Yeah. Um yeah, for me I don't know. I I love a lot of the really early stuff in the game cuz the way it kind of all connects together cuz there's like this point I feel like where after the temple in Pandora right. is kind of where the game truly starts like that that's where that's where the empire comes in. That's where all the mana seed stuff comes in, like and breaking the seals and like that's where all the craziness really starts. Right. And just like some of the first stuff is just really kind of cool because like there's the so in in the plot line, there's the people of Pandora are having their energy drained from them by this guy, Thanatos. And he's getting help from a witch, Eleni, and the Haunted Forest. Yep. And she doesn't know that he's eating people, basically. She just thinks... I don't know. I don't know what she thinks. She she found a friend, is really yeah. what I was going with in the first place. And so you, as you're starting off, you, you kind of have no idea what the hell you're doing. And by the time you get to the end of this little chunk of the story, like... You've amassed like this nice little set of skills of how to play the game and abilities of how to play the game that you just kind of stroll into this temple and beat the ever loving shit out of everything. Like, yep. where 
but it's not something you could have done straight out of the game because you've no. you now have a mastery of how to play and yes. i don't know just like that whole coming together at the end of this the what what i would consider the story arc for the first you know i don't know probably 20 25 to 25% to 30% of the game yeah it's just it's just fun like it's sort of i think a lot of the cool stuff happens um yeah makes sense but i don't know there's, there's one more favorite scene that I see in here for you. I find yeah. entertaining as hell. Yes, it is. In the first dwarf village, you walk into what apparently seems to be some kind of nightclub or something, and they offer to put on a show for you since they have a visitor because they don't get a lot of visitors. Maybe because there's a giant, I don't know, fucking lava pit that keeps people from getting into the stupid town. Eh, you know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, just they might get a little more visitors if they, you know, make the entrance to Guy's Navel a little friendlier or something. That's nah, it. Yeah. So during this thing, they they have a couple of magic acts that are kind of funny, and then they bring out this young, homesick, abandoned sprite. And it's this tiny little sprite, and you get to hear the sob sob story about how. It's trying to work off this huge 50,000 gold debt so that it can get back home to its family and that it's been abandoned and washed up in like a rainstorm and starts crying and stuff and just ask for any any amount of money you have that could help this poor, poor, terrible, abandoned, homeless sprite get back home. And so, <laughs> so you as a player are like, sure, I'll help. Why not? So, so you remember those... Uh... Those commercials with Sarah McLaughlin and the the basically yeah. her debuting for PETA. It's like that, but in video game form. Yeah. And, and then so you get the option once this is done is you can go next door and go literally backstage. And you walk in backstage and they're like, oh man, could you see that look on that sucker's face in the front row? He was practically crying like, <laughs> oh, we, we, took, we could get so much more money out of him. And then you walk up and they're like, Oh, oh crap! Shit. Did you just hear? Did you just hear everything we just said? Yeah. <laughs> so they they give you your money back, and then the sprite joins your party to kind of like make it up for you, and offers to help out for being a dick, basically. And uh, I don't know. It's just it's just funny. It's just one of those like little funny moments in the game that makes me really wonder what could have been if this had been the giant original game that it was supposed to be. Because I don't know especially seeing some of the later games like legend of mana this yeah. game could have been amazing been yeah but it still is but it could have been so much more yeah i mean that's what happens when crazy proprietary hardware doesn't work out right it's true uh, still i think i think i can speak for both of us in this case when we when i say just go play it it's a really fun game. Um, if you're wondering how long it takes to beat, I went over to howlongbeat.com, and the general consensus is about 20 hours if you're just trying trying to play yeah. the main story. Uh, it's probably taken me about that long just because of the point I'm at, and that was yeah. with a bit of a slog. Even still using a guide, yeah. it might take 25 to 30, depending on if you're using a guide or not. Yeah, the, the action combat, the sword fighting in the game, it's very similar to... Zelda a link to the past only you have to wait for those timers like you can't yep. just spam attacks as fast as possible you have to actually time it and be a little more calculated 
Uh, and then there's the crazy magic system, but yeah, yeah, it's worth a play. I I love it. I will if you want to talk this game, I will talk for even more hours on it than we've already talked. <laughs> and if you want to do that, head over to your email program. Just contact us at podcast at loadedcardgaming.com. If you want to contact Dan, he is now at Shop the Viking. He also runs the at loaded card account. If you want to contact me, I am at Paul Cluel. And if you want to find us on social media, all the links are in the show notes. And if you love us, consider leaving a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever you're listening to. And please check us out at patreon.com slash loadedcardgaming. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Next up, though, uh, now that we've played you... Dance Scare Games... I have a favorite we, too. Yeah, if we get to we get to switch, and now we're going to play one of Paul's favorite games. So this is going to be a little ways down so, the road. I don't know exactly when, ago. but it's yeah. You you got a little time to play this. Now I will say that a couple of years ago I was still living in Richfield, or Richfield, Richmond, Virginia, and I didn't have much to do aside from either drink, work out, or play video games. I chose the latter two. And one of the games that I played that I was unfortunately unable to stream or record was probably the best Wolfenstein I've ever played, and it's Wolfenstein The New Order. So what they did is reboot the entire thing of Wolfenstein. They completely refreshed the storyline. You still play as BJ Blazkowicz, but there's a lot of character development. A lot of stuff goes on around it. It is a phenomenal game, and I can't wait to share it with you. It is probably the be one of the best first-person shooters you'll play. And that's not even exaggeration. It is a really, really solid, mechanically sound game and a fantastic story. All right. So it looks like this episode... So this to give you a time frame for how long you have to play this, uh, the episode will go live in July. July 10th yeah. is, so when, yeah. is when Wolfenstein is scheduled to be in your laps for us talking about it. So... The game you itself definitely, is not very long. You've got plenty of time. Yeah, but that's because you know we're still going to do our game corner games, so we want to make yes. sure you have plenty of time to to kind of do both and kind of work both in. So speaking of, uh, chosen speaking of, by Patreon donors, Battle our Block next Theater. episode in two weeks we'll be talking about Battle Block Theater. It is a really fun, entertaining game. Um, looking forward to playing it with you guys and sharing it. So. Look for Battle Block Theater. It, I believe it's fourteen ninety nine over on Steam. Worth every penny. Yeah, it's it's been a fun little game. Um, yeah, so far and yeah. It, again, to let you guys know, if you want to any night, if you guys want to join in, just send me a message on Twitter or Facebook, and uh, I'll fire up Steam and play it. It's a fun game. Yeah. All right, folks. If you have nothing else to add, no, nope, I think we're right. good. Let's go. Fantastic, Chris. Here's some smooth jazz to play you out. It is a little crazy. And I don't know why you're laughing. I want to talk first. Like, we have been fucking doing that for the last 45 <laughs> goddamn minutes. Settle down. Settle down. All right. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I need a minute. I think my daughter is out of bed. Okay, cool.
So give me just a second. We'll we'll come back to this. <laughs> Sorry for the uh, person who is watching live. We'll be right back. <laughs> I'll stay here and dance for you. Okay, that got old pretty quick. So how's it going there? Doing all right? Okay. That was fun and exciting. She overheated and woke up. <laughs> so it's you watching it. Me? You're the participant. You're the person. Okay. <laughs> sure I am. I'm it not. Counts, it counts you as the person watching it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we just said Don't two watch. a second ago. Maybe you're the other one watching it. I was, yes. I was saying I'm the person who's watching it, but I realized it was you. Nope. It's Tadbog. No. He says shake it, shake it, Paul. Hey. So is it Tyler or Drew? Probably Dave. Or Dave. That one. Tyler or Dave. <laughs> Usually Dave runs those accounts. Okay, fine. We were we were just finished talking about a uh, player unknown battleground. That's true. How do That's I true. pop out the stupid chat? There it is. He's semi Mario. Sorry. 